You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Our guest today is 30 years old and about to get married. And just three months ago, he took the big leap from his full-time job to full-time real estate investor. Shane is the owner of Shane Adams Real Estate. He's done six flips and has seven doors under his belt, and he's looking to do more. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. So Shane, how did you get started in real estate? Tell me about your first deal. So I was working at a Ford supplier. I was the quality supervisor there, kind of have a Six Sigma you know, background and, and systems and everything. And researched real estate for about a year and a half, just did a lot of reading, you know, didn't really know the ins and outs and what it all involved. And January 19th of last year, I bought my first house. And since then, I've just kind of dove head first. To date, we've done 14 properties and I've got seven doors. So I've got a fourplex, a duplex and a single family residence now. And trying to really turn my business toward wholesaling because I've found that that opportunity is presented itself more often than not. And it originally wasn't a part, you know, any part of my strategy. And so um, it's been a lot of fun. So So how were you able to do your first deal coming from a totally different industry, the auto industry and to real estate and getting in on your first, what was it, a flip or? Yeah, yeah. So it was a flip and it took seven months. <laughs> it took a lot longer than anticipated. I think I went through six contractors and, you know, I, I didn't really even have any idea what I was doing. I, I think, you know, a lot of this really just is just stepping in and getting your feet wet and realizing, you know, kind of learning as you go without trying to mitigate the cost, right? Yeah. So uh, it's an unfortunate story, but my mom uh, passed away uh, May 2017. And she had a life insurance policy, and uh, we split it between the siblings and my stepfather. And so it was about twenty five thousand that I was given. And it was kind of, you know, something that I feel like I was blessed with, and and it's allowed me to to get here. And so twenty five thousand dollars that won't buy you a house, though. So how'd you do it? it yeah, it won't. So it's uh, it's just networking, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's a lot of people. Uh, what I've found are willing to lend you money if you put in the the sweat equity, right? So. Uh, my first deal was a 50% split. So I split it 50-50. My stepfather put up the other, he matched me, uh, the money, 25000 And I ended up getting a private lender to lend me the money for the renovation costs. And so, okay. uh, and that was going through our local group here in, in Indiana, Kentucky. So this area is kind of known as Kentuckiana. So the, <laughs> um, the, I've never heard that. Yeah, so it's a combination because there's a lot of people that from Southern Indiana that work and live going to Louisville and, and vice versa. Wait, say that, say that, say that again. Going to where? Louisville. Don't say it the way you said it. <laughs> Louisville, Louisville. Louis, okay, people like me from Louisville, California Louisville. would think you're saying Louisville, right. Louisville, maybe Louisville. But how, how'd you say it? Louisville, Louisville. Louisville. All right. Well, <laughs> well I, again, like I told you in Chicago, I, I didn't realize I spoke banjo until I hang out with you guys. So, <laughs> I just had to make sure that any Californian who goes to, what did you call it, uh, that part of Kentucky? Uh, oh, oh, Kentuckiana. Yeah. K- Kentuckiana. Um, that you don't go in and say, where's Louisville? Because no one will know right. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You got to practice. Yeah. Um, all right. So did you make money on that first deal and were you able to pay your partners back? 
Yeah, so I ended up, so my original timeline was, I want to say, roughly six weeks. Um, my budget was around 25000 We ended up spending close to forty on it, and it took, again, like I've said, seven months. But yeah, we, we ended up making a little, I think 22000 was what I ended up making on it. Oh, fantastic. So enough reason to try to do it again. Now, if you were to break that 22000 out over the number of hours you put into it, what do you think you made hourly? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, $14 an hour? No, I don't know. <laughs> no, re- really, it just, uh, I was a lot more hands-on, and, and I probably made the mistake that a lot of people do is I, I spent my time swinging a hammer, going in there and painting, and realizing there's people that do this for a living and can do it a lot better than I can and a lot and much quicker, mm-hmm. you know, and, and where I was trying to save on costs probably wasn't, you know, always the best idea. Like, uh, I, I think I've heard the saying before that, you know, cheap labor isn't skilled and skilled labor isn't cheap, right? So, <laughs> so true. Yeah. Now, do you regret doing some of it yourself or do you feel like you learned from it and who you should hire? Yeah, so I I learned some. I mean, I needed to, right? Uh, my first contractor, we went to Home Depot together, and we, you know, we're walking in the store, and we go down one aisle, and I'm standing there looking at uh, what I think we were talking about, you know, trim or quarter round or something like that, and I'm standing in a completely different aisle, looking at the wrong thing, and he's like, "Yeah, we need to get this quarter round." And so I'm I think I was looking at baseboards or something, just something completely wrong. And he's like, "Why are you standing over there? That's that's not." I'm like, and I tried to play it off like, "Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah, okay, yeah, we need quarter round. I got it." <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I definitely learned from it. You know, it was kind of, I mean, I guess you could say hindsight as far as the budget goes, it was expensive, but I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I think, I think it's definitely uh, part of the growth, right? Yeah. Is there anything you would recommend now in hindsight, a book or a training? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to learn this stuff. YouTube and, you know, podcasts are always great. It, there's so much information out there today. You know, it, it's just, you have to go out and find it. And, and a big part of that is just asking the right questions, right? Usually what and I've even found this today, like it's just a constant process of learning. And I mean, real estate people in general are just some of the most passionate people. It's that niche, right? And we're constantly in a position to, to continue to try to grow and try to learn. So, well, I, I definitely got to give a shout out to Mike Butler, who's got the landlording on autopilot, that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great book for coming into rentals. I guess it's not really the flips. And then I've also... As far as my business goes, I've read Profit First. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. It's um, yeah, it's by Mike. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Mikulwitz or something like that. Okay. And that just shows you how to structure your business in a way, you know, set up separate accounts, and so that you're really trying to keep your business healthy instead of doing this. Oh, make a lot of income, have a lot of expenses, you know, up and down, up and down, just trying to stabilize your business in the beginning. You know, yeah, as a just small business. hoping you're making a profit in the end, but not being sure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's great. I just had that conversation with my daughter and her new fiance. That's like, okay, look, you two, you have now just committed to each other. Now it's a uh, unit, a family unit versus two different bank accounts. So how, how are you going to, how are you going right. to do this? You you, what are your expenses? You know, what's your income going to be? And so a lot of people don't really want to look at that because sometimes it's not a pretty picture, but it's where you got to start. Right. And we've, <laughs> and it's funny you say that because we just met with my pastor this week about 
we have well, i'm getting married in september and uh my fiance and i were she's a saver i'm a spender right mm-hmm. and so that that's kind of the conversation we just had too about okay look you know we need to make sure we have savings set aside we have this how are, how are the accounts going to work you know what are we going to do to so that we're both happy about it Right. That is so funny. I mean, literally before this, uh, the reason I was a bit late to this interview is we were having that exact discussion that when you, you're attracted to your opposite usually, and the thing that you think is so awesome at first will be the thing that drives you crazy later. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, like she's the saver, you're the spender. Uh, she loves probably your freewheeling attitude, and you probably love her sense of responsibility, but it will drive you both crazy if you don't learn uh, that you're, you know, you're like two puzzle pieces, totally different. You got to be different to to kind of fit, and and you know, you can't expect the other puzzle piece to become your shape or vice versa. Right. Got to learn how to work together and honor your differences and learn from each other's differences, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, congratulations on your engagement. Well, thank you. <laughs> or your your marriage. Yeah, we're marriage. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll be married. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Okay, so you did your first deal. You learned a lot that time is money and hiring people who can do it better and maybe sometimes even for less, less money than it would take you to do it because of the number of hours and the mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. What happened next? Yeah, so I found another, I actually was just breaking this out before we were talking about where my leads have come from. And it's just a, a you know, I mean, I'd say roughly 50% have come from direct mail. But that one was actually a wholesaler who who turned around and, and sold it to me and who was actually a, an investor and, you know, was very upfront with me. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I can appreciate. He says, look, OK, I've got this property for 60000 You know, I'm going to turn around and sell it to you for 68000 And it's easy to work with people like that. And, you know, you can always continue to work back and forth together. But that one took about four months. We sold in October, I think. and we put about 25 into it. So that was a pretty good deal. Awesome. All right. So you had two successful projects. When did you start uh, holding? Oh, October, the same same month. Okay. Same did, you, month. did you buy a property, fix it up and refi and get cash out? Or how, how'd you do it? Yes. Yeah, so I'm in the process of refinancing that one right now, trying to cash out refi. The other, the fourplex was actually an owner finance deal, which was great. It was just an older investor and he had relatively maintained the place, but he had tenants who were just walking all over him. And they were, you know, there was one, I think, individual that was about $6,000 behind in rent, which is roughly was about eight months, right? So, and he's just, a, he was a, a nice old guy, right? And so, <laughs> so uh, you know, when, when we purchased the property, we kind of gave them an opportunity to, to catch the rent up, you know, and, and they didn't take that. And we turned around. I think I put seventeen thousand down on that one, and the purchase price was one sixty-five. Wow! Yeah. Awesome, love that. All right. And so, what are you liking more, uh, buy and hold or flip? Well, I, you know, I, I'm trying to. I, I've kind of gone back and forth on, on that because my rentals up front have been such a headache, and, and part of that too because whenever we went into advance, we went into the duplex. We did a lot of cosmetic updates, but we didn't update the mechanicals. Mm-hmm. We didn't update. We didn't update the roof, and they have just been. Uh, I mean, I, I think one tenant was calling me at least every three or four days, you know. And and even if it was just small stuff, it was just kind of like okay, you know. And I'm running around taking care of it, 
And a lot of the work I'll do myself, I'll run over there and take care of it. And just, uh, you know, even looking at some of the HVAC units, I'll just pull up a YouTube video while I'm there, you know, trying to understand, okay, this is what it's supposed to be doing. This is what <laughs> needs to happen. This is how it works. And, uh, but now, now it's kind of gotten a little quieter. And so mm-hmm. it's nice to have that steady income every month. But on the other side of that, I hear some people argue that um, flips are a full-time job which they definitely can be, but if you get the right people in the right place, I think um, you can kind of put yourself into or pour yourself out of those things, and you can kind of let those guys do what they need to do and just get out of the way. And and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of been the case today. So we'll see. I mean, you know, really, I think uh, it, it's systems putting people in the right place and, you know, allowing things to, to be a well-oiled machine for you to, to really feel good about it, either flips or rentals, right? Yeah, if you're if you're really in acquisition mode, you're you're trying to build wealth, flipping is a great way to do it. Once you already have money or you know, you want to get your money out of the stock market, the tax benefits of buying hold is just so phenomenal. That that's a good way to go and a lot of times people just don't have time to to start a business flipping. Right, right, right. But the point you made and this is this is why I recommend so strongly that if you're you know, a lot of our listeners are from California and they're wanting to buy properties that are not in California. That if you're going to buy a buy and hold, get one that has all of those mechanicals replaced because it's those expensive items that just kill your cash flow. So if you're, right. if you're just going to go buy an old property because, wow, it looks like a good deal and, and uh, the numbers work, well, trust me, those numbers aren't going to work if you have to fix a roof, right? Or mm-hmm. replace it. Or uh, get a new HVAC or, you know, $6,000 new bill, right? <laughs> right. And speaking of that, I mean, the, the fourplex, that was, that was a perfect example because I think when I purchased it, all based on my numbers, it had uh, an 18% cap rate. And I think after all of my expenses and, and exactly what you said that I didn't foresee, you know, I kind of baked some of that into it. But I think it's been brought down to like closer to a 13 to I think 12.6, I think is what it is. But. Hey, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's a great return. Right. <laughs> but yeah, if you're going to buy an older home where those big ticket items are old and have not been replaced, you need to add that in in your list of expenses, your CapEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, technically, the cost of the property, because that will come up probably sooner than later, versus buying something that's either new or already renovated, if you just don't have the time or knowledge on you know how to do that renovation yourself from a distance, just right. buy it already done, and then that's already built into the price. You already kind of know what to expect and what your cash flow most likely will be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's some great people locally. So if you California investors are, are you know, this is a good, I guess, we're, are we considered the Midwest? I don't, you, I don't know that. You probably I get, do I get so confused. About, but yeah, I would it's say not, probably. It's, yeah, it's not the Middle East, uh, yeah, but we are <laughs> closer to the East. So. There you go. All right. Well, what's next for you then as you start your family and, you know, let's say the next five years, what do you plan to do? Um... You know, it's uh, right now I'm in the middle of trying to put a team together, you know, really scale up. And, and I've realized, like, there's a lot of dollars out there as long as you're willing to find them and, and go put in the, the effort to find them. And so what it's come to is just stabilizing it and, and getting really in a position where, you know, just not me, not Shane, right? Just the company itself really grows in it and it becomes a full-fledged business. And so in five years, I think really that's where I'd like to be. 
I had a 10 year plan about two years ago and, and I'm just, I haven't followed that at all. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, I, it's a good thing. I, I've gotten ahead of myself, but I don't really have, you know, for five, from five years from now where exactly I think I'll be, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got uh, just the next year to think about, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. 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 <laughs> yep. All right. So again, for our listeners getting started, what are some tips you would give them? Maybe let's just say they, they have $25,000. What, what do you recommend? Um, oh man, that's a, that's a hard one because uh, again, I, I know, I don't know the other markets as well and, and how well, and I'm kind of trying to figure that out at the moment where wholesaling comes into play. But, uh, based on the, the leads that I've gotten, um, I've realized that's really a viable option. I think I've spent like $7,000. It's like $6,600 this year so far just on direct mail. And from those leads, I've made over 25000 just on wholesale income. And, and really, I don't like to pass those deals along unless they're a deal for everybody, right? Everyone wins and it's not, you know, because there's no point in, in trying to shop that around if, if it's not going to work for everyone, right? So for someone getting into this, I think that might be the way to go just to put a little money into marketing and you know, see what type of calls you get, see what type of people you meet, and and I mean, every situation is different. Um, you know, I think it, within a, a short amount of time, you know, you could probably foresee some some returns on your investment by doing that. Awesome. So if you're if you're in the building phase and and uh, trying to create some income so you can invest in buy and hold real estate, mm-hmm. check out wholesaling. Find out. I mean, it's getting harder and harder because more tech companies are getting into the business. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah buyers they've got billions of dollars behind them and they could just make mm-hmm. offers and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But they haven't taken over yet. So right. learning how to wholesale is a great way to build wealth uh, so that you can invest. You know, of course, flipping houses, again, that's getting a little bit harder too. Right, right. Yeah, I think we're down to yeah this 39% or something. But, you know, it, it's just... Uh, you know, I do see that's what it, it kind of surprised me when I went into Chicago and saw, you know, the difference between there and here and just the mindset of people in it. And, you know, I think it really is based on the market that you go to, um, mm-hmm. how, how viable of an option that really is. I mean, you don't want to go into somewhere where people aren't moving, jobs are decreasing, wages are stagnant. It's not really the place to go where people are buying. You're not going to find deals, right? So. That is right. I cannot express enough the importance of understanding the market first and foremost. If you get an amazing deal in a market where people are leaving and, and the jobs are gone, it's mm-hmm. not a good deal. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You can go certain places and buy houses for fifteen thousand all day yeah. and you're gonna you're gonna love it and then realize, oh wait, the market doesn't support this. <laughs> well, no, it, it is funny though you say that because we did go into a market once uh somewhere in the middle of Ohio. I don't even know the name. I don't even know if it has a name. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's Pennsylvania, somewhere in the middle of near Ohio. But uh, there, there were homes there for five thousand dollars, and and you just kind of scratch your head and say, "Well, how could I possibly lose money on that?" Right. Well, guess what? You can. <laughs> you can. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. when they red tag it and say no one's allowed to live here. You right. Tear right. It down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you got to be careful about that. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure having you here today. Any final words for our listeners? I would say just try. You know, I'd say I'd pick it. I've picked this up probably over 15 times in the beginning. 
you know, put it up, you know, got busy, got life got in the way because it was kind of a, you know, my side thing there for a long time. And, you know, just read and there's plenty of people out there willing to, to help you if you're willing to help yourself. So. And you took that leap. You you started out, you practiced, and now you've quit your regular day job, and this is full-time for you, right? Full-time, yes, ma'am. Exciting. Well, best of luck to you, and thank you so much for sharing your insights here on The Real Wealth Show. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can get lots of free education on our website at realwealthshow.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.